First Byron Christian Reformed Church is known as a Bible church. We prioritize the preaching and teaching of God's Word without compromise or apology in the pulpit, in Sunday schools, in small groups, Bible studies. It's the DNA of First Byron. We're known as a Bible church. We're also known as a worshiping church. We want to promote a congregational singing, not a performance, but all of us together singing songs old and new. We're also known as a welcoming church as we meet with new members as often it mentioned that they were overwhelmed by the warm welcome they received when they first attended First Byron. We're also known as a missionary church, a church that sends out missionaries and supports missionaries and evangelists all over the world. We're known as a a shepherding church, a church that really uh, teaches the importance of elders and pastors actively involved in the lives of the members. It's not a church which has a leadership and membership and they're separate, but elders, pastors committed to shepherding individually and with individual families. We're also known as a generous church. We give hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to good and and worthy causes. And and we're known as a Christian education church, aren't we? we? We really encourage families in the education of their children. We try to support as much as we can families who want to use Christian schools. And, and so, these are, these are great things to be known for. We've, we've, we've got a lot of blessings that God has given us. But I've got a question. Are we known as a praying church? Are we known as a church that is devoted to congregational prayer? Prayer in groups, joint prayer, corporate prayer, communal prayer, coming together. Yes, sure, we pray as individuals and we pray as families, but praying as part of congregational life. Are we known as that? Are we known as a congregation devoted to united prayer? The early church certainly was. We read in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 that these early Christians devoted themselves to prayer, together with the woman, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers. And then again in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, they devoted themselves. You get that repeated word there? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So, I want to ask this morning, how can we increase the priority of joint prayer in our congregation? How can we follow the New Testament pattern, the practice of these early Christians who prioritized joint prayer in these early hours of the New Testament church. 
It's part of God's purpose for His church that we be a house of prayer. In Isaiah chapter 56, predicting the New Testament church, God says, I will bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And you remember when Jesus came to His church and He found that there was everything but prayer going on in the temple courts, He drove out those who had replaced prayer with commerce and said, this shall be called a house of prayer. So, clearly, God wants His church to be characterized by prayer. We are to be a house of prayer. We are to be devoted to prayer. And therefore, we ask, how can we increase the priority of joint prayer in our congregational life? You might ask, well, well, why should we do that? Obviously, we've got the pattern of the New Testament church, but, but, but we might also ask, well, what's different about somebody praying as an individual or a family praying together? What's different about God's people coming together and praying? Well, I want to give one answer to that today. Joint prayer brings extra blessings to us and extra glory to God. Joint prayer brings extra blessings to us and extra glory to God, and therefore I would hope that will encourage us to pursue this because we all want extra blessing, and we all want God to have extra glory, surely. Now, this is the the last sermon in our series on prayer, And, and it's last but not least. In fact, the other sermons on prayer were really preparatory for this sermon. All that went before is really to lay a foundation for this call to increase the priority of joint prayer as part of our congregational life. If you look back on the series, we, we noted many blessings and benefits of prayer. We looked at the cross and the the powerful persuasion of praying in Jesus' name, which meant in the name of our crucified Savior. We looked at the throne of grace and how we have the benefit of coming with confidence to that throne for grace to help in time of need. We looked at the the battlefield, didn't we? And and the blessing of being a spiritual warrior on our knees, doing spiritual battle in the Lord's cause. We looked at the supper table and how prayer is portrayed as a, a, a place of communal fellowship where we come and we eat and drink together with God. He promises through prayer to draw especially near in communion and fellowship. We also looked at the door and how the door of prayer invites us to bring all our needs to our Heavenly Father. We looked at prayer as a window 
that changes our perspective on the world, on ourselves, on everything. We looked at the clock or the schedule of prayer and how we can have both formal, specified times of prayer and also informal, spontaneous, continual prayer as part of our lives. We, we looked at the list and how we have the privilege of praying in ever-increasing circles, bringing ever-increasing numbers of people from the individual right out to the world. And then we began to look at the helps that God gave us, the helps of the Spirit, the Spirit who prays in our hearts with heart groans. We looked at the help of the Son and how He prays for us, intercedes for us in, in the courts of heaven, even when we are not praying for ourselves. The help of the Spirit, the help of the Son, and here finally, the help of the saints, the help of God's people. None of us find prayer easy. And therefore, we're very grateful when he, God says, here, have the help of my Spirit, have the help of my Son, and then have the help of my people, the saints of God, the church, the family of God. He says, I've given you them to help you in prayer. So, that, that's a great blessing. Joint prayer brings the blessing of, of help. Uh, you, you can think maybe of the Lord's prayer itself, and remember how that's framed in the first person plural. It's not I, me, and my, it's our and we. You can think of maybe many verses in the Bible, and we'll have a look at them, that also encourage us towards joint prayer. And, and there are also many examples in church history. You can think, for example, of this verse in Second Chronicles chapter 7, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. And in these days, the Old Testament days, the place was the temple. Today, the place is God's people. We are God's temple. Coming together, God has given a special promise to those who gather together in a place to pray. You can think of Matthew 18. Again, Jesus says, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Great promise to even two or three coming together in prayer. Into Acts again, we look to Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. There was known to be an hour of prayer where God's people could gather and pray together. Then in Acts 4, this is after the first persecution of the early Christians, when they had prayed, they gathered together after that persecution to pray together. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God 
with boldness. Going on in Acts 12, 12, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. It's our example, isn't it? The early church. Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, here they're appointing elders and missionaries and evangelists, and they accompany it with prayer when they send them off. Acts 14, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. Acts 16, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside. This is the section dealing with Lydia. The apostles leave the, out the village and go to the river where we suppose there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together as we were going to the place of prayer, says verse 16. So, we could, we could multiply verses, but I hope you can see how much the New Testament church, the early church, prioritized joint prayer, communal, corporate prayer in their lives. And as we look at some of these verses, some of the blessings of that kind of prayer coming together in prayer are brought before us. There, there's the blessing of more answers to prayer. Remember Matthew 18, verse 19 said that where two or three gather and ask together in my name, I will answer. So, we know that God hears individuals, but here He seems to give an extra promise of extra answers when people gather together to pray. There's also the blessing of more of God's presence. Same section in Matthew, it said, if you'll remember, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When God sees people praying, his, his attention, his concentration zooms in on them, and he says, I'm going to be there in a very special way, even more special than an individual praying in private. So, there's a blessing of more answers, the blessing of more of God's presence. There's a blessing of sharing. In Romans and Galatians, the Apostle Paul speaks of how prayer is a place where we come together and share. We, we take our burdens and we open them up and we say to the people with us, Here, here's what's crushing me. Here's what's breaking me. This is what's making my heart cry. Here are my needs. And so, we fulfill the law by sharing one another's burdens with one another, our joys, our sorrows. We also learn how to pray. When, when we pray alone, especially maybe when we start praying, we really have no idea if we're doing it right, do we? And therefore, to, to come together with other Christians, maybe more mature than us, and to just listen to them pray, even if we don't add a prayer, at least initially ourselves, we're learning by their example how to pray, what to pray for. You'll learn far more about prayer in 
meetings for prayer than in sermons about prayer. And so we go to pray together to learn how to pray. The, the, the prayers of the weakest, youngest saints can be a blessing and teach even the older saints. There's, there's something very special for me, at least as a pastor, when I hear a, a young person or an old person pray for the first time with, with all the nervousness and, and the embarrassment and yet trying to speak publicly or in a small group. So it's a beautiful experience for the, the learner and the teacher. And, and then there's more prayer that comes. As, as we pray together, we cannot but leave these meetings for prayer and pray more ourselves, more individually, more in our family, more throughout the day. And, and above all, maybe, united prayer has been used of God throughout church history to promote revival of Christianity. There, there are numerous examples of this in church history. If you Google prayer and revival, you'll bring up many articles that people have researched and found that many of the great revivings of Christianity were connected with one or two people coming together and praying. There, there's a classic one amongst the Dutch Reformed community in New York in the mid-1800s when a businessman decided to just put up a notice for prayer in this place at lunchtime. And he went there. He didn't know if it would be just himself or if more would come. I think, if I recall, the first time, maybe seven or eight came. And over the next year or two, that meeting got so big, another had to be held. And eventually, there were meetings for prayer amongst the businessmen of the day throughout the whole city of New York, which led to a revival of true Christianity throughout the city. Hundreds of people were converted, brought from a godless background to God. Many within the church who thought they were Christians but weren't came to faith in repentance and trust in Jesus. There was a, a tremendous sending out of missionaries and evangelists throughout America and throughout the world. And examples like this can be multiplied throughout church history. Charles Spurgeon said, how could we look for a Pentecost if we never met with one accord in one place to wait upon the Lord? Brethren, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till meeting for prayer occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. Dr. A.T. Pearson, who has researched revival, said, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. If you look at Korea, where the Reformed faith has experienced a revival like nowhere else, maybe apart from Brazil in recent years. What is it characterized by? There, there are prayer meetings in Korean churches starting at five in the morning, one after another after another, and they are packed, and they are every day. So, the Bible, church history, encourages us towards joint 
united prayer. I don't think it's an accident that here in Acts chapter 1, they're all met with one accord together, devoting themselves to prayer, and then Pentecost happens, and then they meet for united, devoted prayer again. It's like united prayer brought the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit brought more prayer. That's a common pattern in churches all around the world. So, joint prayer brings extra blessings to us, but also extra glory to God. How so? Well, let's just say there's no prayer. There's there's no meeting for prayer. And a church is not really known for that, that united joint praying. And that church begins to multiply. It can happen, despite the lack of prayer. But what happens usually is God doesn't get the glory. The pastor might get the glory, or the worship team might get the glory, or the leadership might get the glory, or any other combination of people get praised and honored and promoted And everything is drawn to people when there's no prayer. But when a church is known for prayer and God blesses and God multiplies, who gets the glory? God does. Because we've all acknowledged together by praying together that we are completely dependent on Him for blessing. That without Him, we cannot be blessed. That, that we are desperately needy for heaven's outpouring that we cannot produce ourselves. And so we not only get extra blessings, but God gets extra glory. Joint prayer brings extra blessings to us and extra glory to God. How can we increase the priority of joint prayer in our congregation? Here's how. Commit to regular joint prayer for extra blessing for the church and extra glory to God. Commit. Make that part of a new chapter in your Christian story. If if your story up to this point has been limited or no united prayer, then here is the time and this is the moment to make that heart commitment. I'm not asking for a show of hands. I'm asking you in your hearts to commit, to decide to take steps to increase or begin joint prayer in your life as part of this church. And and there's many different ways we can do that. There there is a a a prayer group that meets in our church at 7.30 on Wednesday. I think it's in the Haven. It's a small group very committed group, you could could join that group. You can come and go as you please. Or you could, if that time, place doesn't work, start another prayer group or a prayer society, as they've often been called in church history. Different place, different time. You You could pray together over the phone or Zoom and, and have a prayer conference call. Many churches are doing that today. 
because of scattered memberships, busy lives. But an effort is being made to, to make it work. We can add prayer to existing meetings. And I think this is one of the most fruitful areas for growing united prayer in our congregation. We have, we have many, many opportunities to meet. Uh, we have small groups. We have Sunday school and catechism classes. We have Bible studies. We have men's discipleship. We have multiple meetings for cadets and gems and youth groups. So there are existing meetings. And, and oftentimes we find that to build a new habit, it's better to build it on an existing habit something we're doing already, add something to that. Much easier to remember. And so, commit as a small group, as a Sunday school class, as a Bible study, as cadets, as gems, whatever group you're part of, commit to more united prayer, joint prayer as part of or in addition to the time you meet for meetings. You can meet in twos or threes or twenties or thirties, but it tends to happen that smaller groups tend to be more authentic and genuine. It's easier to, to share with one another. You can have men's prayer groups, women's prayer groups, women and men together. You can have children. You can have seniors. You can meet in the morning. You can meet in the evening. You can meet before church, after church. We can have a regular church meeting for prayer few times a year, maybe we can really have a, a prayer service where we commit to united prayer, where we do all come together. We can pray for specific things like mission or revival. We could pray maybe specifically for our new church building and the fundraising that has to take place in coming weeks and months. We can commit to pray for our young people, our young men, our young women, for marriages for the pastoral counseling needs of our congregation. You can, you can specialize. You can focus. There are just so many ways to do this. I want to conclude, though, with just some practical guidelines for how to have these joint meetings for prayer, however they're constituted, wherever they meet, whatever time. The first is this, have clear leadership. If everyone gets together and there's really not a leader, it just it, it becomes disorganized and it lacks momentum. You, you need a leader. You can be a different leader every week, but somebody who is committed to organizing, leading, bringing a plan for the prayer meeting, maybe starting it off with a devotional, maybe specifying a theme for prayer for that particular prayer meeting, and it can be a different theme, a different area each week, but leadership is important if a meeting for prayer is to have direction. And prepare. When you come to a meeting for prayer, prepare for that. Think about it. Pray about the prayer meeting. Uh, pray about what you should pray for and how you will pray for it. So don't come cold, as it were, but come with your heart already warmed and ready to engage with others in prayer. Set a time limit. You might want to start small, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. As the enjoyment grows and the experience grows, that can be expanded. And, and set limits of time for each prayer. It tends to be that long prayers really drain the energy and enthusiasm in a meeting for prayer. Better to have multiple short 
prayers by multiple people than just a couple by a couple that are awfully long and very hard to follow. And at the beginning, share some prayer thanks, recognize and acknowledge where prayers have been answered, and share prayer requests where you bring a need to the group or the group brings a need to you. Speak loudly. It's very frustrating if you're in a meeting for prayer and somebody's mumbling quietly. You just cannot hear them. Just, you, you have to switch off. It's so annoying. But, so if you're going to speak, if you're going to lead in prayer a group, make sure the group can join you by speaking loudly and clearly. It's not a place for using I, me, and my because you're not there praying for yourself, but as a spokesperson for others. So we pray in we and our. Sing praise songs. Intersperse the prayers with songs. Again, it just re-energizes people, refocuses people. If you sit for too long with your eyes closed, if you're anything like me, you'll fall asleep. So, have times when you open your eyes, you sing, you re-energize, you recommit. Pray specifically, not generally, but specific names, specific situations. And, and maybe somebody take notes when the share, sharing of prayer requests is made so that at the end, the person who's taken notes can look at them and see, okay, there's still a couple of areas where prayer requests were made and hasn't been prayed for. So, conclude by just tidying that up. A practice I found useful because I, I must be honest, all my life I've really struggled to pray along with someone else praying. So what I try to do when I'm distracted and thoughts are wandering is I try and repeat to myself the words that are being prayed. Not loudly, but just quietly. Just follow each word with either whispered or inward in the heart, just repeating the prayer just to make sure I really am joining with the prayer rather than just listening to a prayer or being distracted from the prayer. And, and you, can, you can say amen. I know it's not Dutch Reformed, right? But the Baptist can teach us a thing or two here. It's so encouraging when someone prays and there's just a hearty ripple of amen. I agree. I put my name to it. I'll sign that prayer. And, and so it just, again, keeps up the energy levels and the engagement and the enthusiasm. And you can review your prayers. From time to time, you want to stop. Maybe every few meetings and say, are we getting the right mix here of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, acts? So that we don't get just all adoration and we don't get all just supplication, but we get a good broad mix of prayers in our prayer meetings. So, how can we increase the priority of joint prayer in our congregation? Commit, commit, commit to regular joint prayer for extra blessings and extra glory to God. Add prayer to your joint meetings or add joint meetings Add prayer to joint meetings. You can do either. You've got meetings, add prayer to them. Or have meetings specifically for prayer. But let's commit. Let's make that commitment. And let's follow through on it. 
for extra blessing for us and extra glory to God. Let's pray. Helper of the helpless, we thank you for the help of your Spirit, the help of your Son, and the help of your saints. Help us to get your help through joint prayer times in our church family. In Jesus' name, amen.